0: Click on the big red button and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I am super excited to bring you today's featured guest, Robert Kandel. Robert, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, it's so great to be here.
0: Yeah, fantastic to have you here. And Let me do a brief introduction so everybody listening has an idea of who you are and why you're here today. Hailed as part football coach, part loving dad, and part slightly crazed drill sergeant, Robert Kandel has spent the last 16 years helping people re-energize their lives and build better relationships through more honest and authentic connection. After building a successful consulting firm in San Francisco, he then took his business acumen and co-founded One Taste in 2004 with Nicole Danone. Now, taking on the challenging task of bringing conscious sexuality to the mainstream market, Robert actually built the company from scratch to a high seven-figure international corporation. He left One Taste in 2014 to start his own consulting firm, helping small businesses become marketable and profitable. Robert is also an accomplished teacher, coach, and lecturer. He brings his enthusiasm and acumen to his weekly podcast, Tough Love, on subjects around relationships, intimacy, communication, and gender dynamics. Robert, do me a favor. Will you let our, our listeners know a little bit about One Taste and what that is, and how you actually went from doing the business world to what you're doing now?
1: I One Taste is a company I started with Nicole in 2004. Our goal was to bring conscious sexuality, relationships, and intimacy into the mainstream. We started off with a paper napkin sketch. Uh, Nicole did in 2003 and 2004. And by 2013, it was an international eight figure business. I acted as uh, the CFO, the COO, and also ran the men's program, was a teacher, a coach. So I bridged both the business side and the personality side while running One Taste. And when I left in 2014, I. I had both act skills so I work as both a business consultant and a life coach
0: fantastic fantastic well as you know here on this show we talk about partnership a lot and I'm, I'm wondering mm-hmm. with your experience both as as you know a partner as well as business world personal world all those different areas what do you find to be kind of your I call it a guiding principle some people call it a, a touchstone or a quote or a mantra that that allows you to get back on track when you've kind of gotten off in the weeds?
1: The main thing is uh, don't withhold. I have withholding thoughts, viewpoints, information is lying. So what I've learned through my you know 25 years of both business and personal partnerships, um, been married twice, happily married to my second wife now, um, have had uh, two business partners. Uh, one was an epic success. One was a terrible disaster. And so I've had the, you know, the different uh, changes of time. But really, the main thing is telling the truth, not withholding, being clear, being deliberate, and being responsible with your communication.
0: I love it. That's fantastic. And you know, I, I want to do something a little different than we normally do on this show because of your background and your experience. And I want to tap into your experience leading men's programs, leading that type of thing, because this is one of the things a lot of our listeners are women, and mm-hmm. I know this benefits guys as well, but I want to take advantage of that window you can provide into that world. And, and where I would love to start, if you don't mind, is can you kind of help our listeners understand the, the, the whole, I guess I'll call it, what's behind sexual shame for men?
1: Hmm. Well, sexual shame, everyone has shame. Um, There's some degree of it. I've never met a person. I think there's a few people out there, but I think they're rare. They're very rare unicorns. So everyone has some elements of part of their shame. And I would define uh, having shame, anything you don't feel 100% comfortable talking about in terms of your sexuality. And society really puts uh, very strong boxes around people about what's appropriate, what you can talk about, what you can think about, what you can fantasize about. And most people are outside those boxes and they're not welcome to express it. Uh, It's harder for men because men uh, are demeaned for uh, really expressing emotion, really for going outside the box. There's the patriarchy, which runs our our country. There's a lot of benefit for men, but one of the downside is, is that they're put in positions where they're supposed to be stoic and controlled and solid, therefore not run by their emotions. Inside of that, there's not a level of education or acumen how to deal with your emotions. And so instead of dealing with it, we push it into our shadows or avoid it, which often leads to the feeling of shame. I'm not doing this right. There's something wrong with me.
0: So do you have any, any thoughts or recommendations on how men can, can deal with this? Many. (laughs) Um, And none
1: of them are easy and none of them are a magic pill. Yeah. Uh, But the main thing is, is one to get right with yourself. And this might be hard or impossible, but that's the most important thing to hear the message that your desires, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions are right. They're right just the way they are. Now, there's a step between being right with your emotions and acting on them obviously if it's going to cause harm you shouldn't but the first step is just to go inside and say my feelings are right Um, i had the opportunity to coach a pedophile uh, when i was at one taste and he he never told anyone about it he was in his 40s and he lived with all these years of shame and i created a space for him with approval to say Your feelings and thoughts are right. Let's dig into them. Let's explore them. Let's pull them out of the shadow. He never acted on them at all, but he lived with the weight of his shame. And just being in my presence saying, it's okay to feel these things. Let's figure out how to interact with them and be healthy with them, changed his whole outlook on himself and his sexuality. So the first is to get right with it. The second is to look for support. A therapist, 12-step group, Men's group, um, someone out there, a good friend that you can start to reveal, to start to bring what's hidden out into the world, to bring light into that shadow.
0: Awesome. I I, I love that you started with getting right with it, and because otherwise you can go into some type of treatment carrying all the shame too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm ashamed to have to have treatment. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's it's challenging.
1: Our, it's challenging out there to have all these feelings. And if you're beating yourself up, you know, you're just going to get stuck. So get right with it. I, I interrupt you. Please go ahead.
0: No, no, no. That's that's great. So I'm, I'm curious what you might be able to contribute as far as like what the ladies listening can do to support their the men in their lives in this area.
1: The main thing is to practice uh, what I call approval, which is in short supply today, Um There are, you know, people are really good at approval. I've met them, but most people aren't trained. And what approval is, is you accept the person and find the person right with the desire to maybe tweak a behavior or habit. So it's sort of like a computer with a virus. If you have a computer with a virus, you don't tend to throw out the computer. You tend to work to isolate and eliminate the virus. It's the same thing with people. So you say to your guy, I love you, I'm on your side, I approve of you as a human being, and there's this behavior that's not working for me. And I want to work with you to explore it, to get you right with it, to up-level it. Uh, And so if a guy can feel a woman's approval, it's something he's probably never felt in his life before. And it's such a rare thing for a woman to fully approve of a man because what happens is we hold the truth and the anger builds, and then we basically vomit our disapproval, and we're in this dynamic, especially when it's something that's tender for a man. If a woman can say, I love you for who you are, let's work together to up-level this, that is the greatest gift you can give to a man.
0: Absolutely. 100% agree. So I, I love where this is going, because your comment about approval and it being in short supply is so true. And... You know, like you said, uh, that analogy of the computer virus is fabulous because you're right. We don't throw out the computer. We go, Mm -hmm. oh, here's a little something. we got to figure this out because we love our computer. We want to keep our computer. We don't want to get rid of the computer. So let me ask you this then, because we hear so much about what I oftentimes hear and you probably do, too, that our dating world has become a disposable world. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So like what? Are you noticing are some of the effects of that you know swipe right society that's been developed over the last few years?
1: I well, it's it's like you said it's a mess. I think it's going to stay a mess for a while. I do think there's hope down the line, uh, but for now there's we're in a there's a lot of things going on uh, that's mm-hmm. happening. The first is really there's been a definitive change in terms of. Uh, the balance of um, masculine-feminine, I use those terms deliberately, not necessarily men and women but masculine-feminine dynamics that's going on Uh, also there's been a big change in terms of male-female just in one generation we're seeing things like the gender pay gap shrinking which was 64 cents in the 80s now for millennial women entering the workplace is 93 cents so in a generation and a half the pay you know, has shrunk significantly. This is enabling women to have more choice. Whereas in previous generations, they depended on a man to make it financially or buy a house or get a car loan. Now women are like, huh, I have a choice. And a lot of them are not choosing men or marriage uh, as in the traditional form. So people are getting married later, significantly later. The average went up from 20, uh, 20 years old I think in the 80s, until uh, something's like 26 or 27 for women now, and even older for men. So we're seeing a big change in dynamic. People have more choice, and the the way of men and women are relating, what I'm also seeing is women are rising up in power. They've had a lot of opportunity, wonderful, and I think it's amazing and important for women to expand, and there's not the same space for men. And men are tending to quit, uh, say, screw it, Uh, moving to video games and pornography rather than learning the skills of how to interact with a powerful modern woman. And so the dating scene is really uh, representing that in a lot of shapes and forms because men are not going into the depth. They're taking the easy way out. They're escaping, and women are left saying, where are all the good men?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's such an interesting thing because we have this... the 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 marketing people for the dating sites have done an unbelievable job to where everybody thinks that's the only way to meet people now Mm -hmm. and i recently uh, read a study by the pew research center where they asked i forget how many thousands of couples how many of you met online 12 percent and that was only people that had met in the last five years so they Mm. obviously were in that realm and people think everybody meets online, but like the anomaly is to meet somebody in person. Mm. But the reality is, it's just one more place you can meet people. It's not the be-all, end-all. Mm. And I hear so many people get frustrated with, oh, this is, you know, I hate dating online, it's terrible, and there's nothing else I can do. Mm-hmm. So what, what have you found around that? Because I, I think people are getting super frustrated with that environment, obviously, and they're starting to believe that that's, the only place to go and so then they just kind of like you said they want to quit
1: Mm-hmm. well i i don't recommend online dating as a, a great resource um, as you mentioned i think it's challenging i think you can only go so far uh, men are also taming uh, tending to gamify um, and when it comes to online it's sort of like a video game on some level there's also studies i've seen that about 20 percent of men get 80% of the attention on social media. So there's some click of attractiveness or how their forum is. And it means 80% are not getting any responses, which I hear all in all. So I don't tend to recommend um, online as a great resource for dating. I recommend in person uh, more than ever, in terms of friends of friends, dinner parties. And there's a thing called meetup, uh, meetup.org yep. or meetup.com uh, which I think is the coolest thing especially for meeting people to find people that are like-minded and so when I'm coaching people and they I want to meet someone I'm like get off your butt get off your <laughs> phone get off your damn couch go to this meetup and just walk in and talk to someone your partner may, your future partner may not be in that room, but maybe they, you, you'll meet someone who knows them, or maybe they'll open up some door to something. So get off your phone, get off your computer, go meet people in person. I think it's the highest and best way to find like-minded friends and lovers.
0: Absolutely. hundred percent. And I agree. Meetup is a great opportunity. And, you know, it's funny that you said that about, you know, get out from your computer and so on. So I read another study on online dating, and they were trying to find the correlation. Like, what are the things that make for successful relationships when they meet online? Like, is it the mm-hmm. right pictures? Is it this in your profile? What is it? And there was only one correlation they found. The only correlation they found was the what increased the likelihood of a successful relationship was how soon you met in person. Mm. It was how soon That's... you got offline. Yeah. Which we forget. We think. I mean, Mm. people. Let's be honest. They're not dating sites. They're meeting sites. Mm. There is no dating that happens on Match.com or any of the others. But we have this myth in our head. Oh yeah, we're back and forth. I've literally worked with people. Maybe you have too, where they're like, Yeah, I've been dating this guy for so long. I'm like, Oh great. So what did you guys do the last date? They're like, We've never met. Mm. (laughs) And we've got this belief that we're actually engaging when we're not.
1: Mm. That's fascinating. I, I like that statistic. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this, because we talk about meeting people in person, and obviously a big topic right now is the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. What have you found? Because I know we hear all this. You know, obviously the the focus is on the guys that are doing wrong and the women that have been wrong. What are you finding from in general from the men that that you meet? How do they feel about this whole thing?
1: Uh, scared, <laughs> petrified, mm-hmm. uh, really. Uh, I talked to someone the other day and. You know, the women uh, this is another coach, a woman coach, who said, Women asked me where are the men, and she said they're under your foot, <laughs> which I thought was wow. a little harsh, but uh, I was like, Oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, and I think they're they're scared. And I I, I think before Me Too, I, I think there was a divergence, there was a chasm going on between men and women. And I think the Me Too just really amplified it. Now please don't get me wrong, I think the Me Too evolution revolution is an awesome important needed and magical like i am 150% in support of women speaking the truth of the impact that men have on them because it's really a missing piece and that's what a lot of led to the the patriarchy and the disconnection with women and and the disempowerment of women is just women not speaking so i love the me too i'm a full support of it and the effect of it in terms of dating is men are scared they're afraid Do I even open the door? Do I flirt in the workspace? Can I uh, speak my desire? Am I gonna end up in jail? Am I gonna end up on the front page of a newspaper? And so the chasm that existed where men were moving away from uh, being close to powerful women is actually increasing. And then there's, there's studies of places like in Japan where there's a whole percentage of young men who are virgins have no desire to engage in sex with a woman they can go to porn, they can go to sex dolls, they can go to gaming and other men, and they're just getting fulfillment outside the standard man-woman relationships. So like I said before, I think we're heading in a really rough direction, and it's going to be a mess for a
0: while. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And on both sides, you know, the, the challenges that are out there and that men are scared, because I'm hearing that too and the importance of this movement. I think that the challenge is, and this is where it can get so difficult, is when it gets taken to an extreme. And obviously that's the ones that the media wants to jump on, right? So I I heard a woman on, on NPR. She's, I don't know what made her an expert on the Me Too movement, but supposedly she was. I didn't hear her introduction, so I don't know that. And she made the distinction, and this fascinated me. She said, if a man at work goes, Wow, you look great in that dress. That's harassment, that's predatory. But if he says that's a lovely dress, that's fine. Hmm. And my that's first a... thought was, then guys aren't going to talk to women anymore. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're doing is is like you said, we're deepening that chasm right now because nobody knows what's okay. And unfortunately, the way the media has jumped on this, right or wrong, it's it's being guilty until proven innocent. Mm -hmm. and you know when we hear about people that are you know being thrown out of office or whatever by an anonymous accuser it's really gone too far right when it's like you don't have to show up you can just say we don't even know who the anonymous accuser was but it's ruined this man's life so we've got to get our hands on that and make sure that we're doing this in a way that actually isn't um the paybacks
1: Right, and I think there's a lot of anger that's being uncovered. Yeah, Um, I you know I was once working with a a designer who had a business in San Francisco, and we had a center. And she came in and said, "Okay, we said how do we make this look better?" And she's like, "Okay, let's pull everything out." So she took everything out of this, you know, 2000 square foot center, every couch, every plant, every picture, and we had a sidewalk, we had an alley. So we took <laughs> everything out. We the the building was empty. And then what she did was she put everything back in in a different place with different spacing. We got rid of, you know, 10 or 15 or 20% of stuff we, we bought in a few new things, not much, but the place looked so much better. It was like, mm. it was so, so much, much more air better. and balance to it. And I think that's what's happening with, you know, what's yeah. going to happen with the yeah. Me Too. Like um, frankly, I think there's got to be this extreme blow up of the status quo. And some men, you know, are going to get hurt by this. And some men who should be called out or not. And it's going to be kind of a mess. So the, the thing I would add to and agree with you on is I think there has to be a slowdown in terms of judgment. I think there has to be an opportunity for women to speak their angst and their pain. And I think we have to head towards something called forgiveness. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not here to to set a timetable or say you should, I'm just saying, let's, accept that there's been a lot of sins in the past and the sins of the fathers and the sins of the mothers to co-create the patriarchy okay men did not create the patriarchy by themselves it's been a combination of everyone and so we just need to take everything out air things out let people run their anger and then let's just head in the direction of forgiveness which is the place to reconnect the genders
0: I love that example. That's such a great visual because I, I, I'm in full agreement that we've, we've got to kind of clean the room and then go, what actually do we really need in here? What works? Because there's a whole bunch of garbage in here that doesn't work and we don't need, but if we're in the middle of it, it's almost impossible to figure it out. So, yeah, it, it may take this you know, big pendulum swing to get things on a better path going forward, but it, it's probably worth it. Uh, mm. Well, it's definitely going to be worth it. And now it's just a matter of figuring out the timetable and how it goes and, and you know, where we're going to get the leadership from. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. Of so course. I want to ask you about one other big thing that I, I get questions on this all the time, and I'm sure you do, too. And that's the whole ghosting thing. Mm. Would you share your insights on on the impact of, of ghosting? One, if you have an insight on, on why it happens and two, what its impact is.
1: Ghosting is defined as basically not completing a communication cycle. Mm -hmm. So, communication is my first and truest love because I think everything is based on communication. So, I'll just divert from your question for a second. So, the truest form of communication is like this If I want to tell you, and Ken, a conversation, imagine you're in one room and I'm in another room, there's a hallway between us. The truest, cleanest communication is when I open my door. I walk down the hallway, I knock on your door, I wait for the door to open, I hand you the communication,
0: I wait for you to say thank you,
1: close the door, I walk back into my own room. That is the truest sense of how to know that your communication has landed when there's a verbal cue from you, thank you for the communication, and it's received. What's happened with digital technology Is that we believe that if we send a text a (laughs) private message or an email we're done our responsibility is completed it's sort of like if I want to deliver a letter to you and you have a house uh, with a fence with a big grass you didn't mow your lawn it's like me throwing the letter over the fence and walking by and saying oh well Ken's got the letter I'm done with my responsibility and we've learned to be very lazy communicators ghosting is when we bail on any part of the communication where we don't wait for the reception, thank you. And we tend to ghost for two reasons. One is because there's a plethora of other options out there that we perceive are less challenging. In terms of dating, it's like, oh, this one date was such a pain in the ass. I don't want to deal with her anymore. I'm just going back to Tinder. I'm going to find someone else. Um, That's one thing. The second thing is there's some weird belief that it's nicer not to say I'm not interested in you rather than telling the truth so it's easier for the other person, which is crap, basically. So these two things are leading to a lot of lazy habits where we don't want to engage or close the communication cycle and we ghost and we just bail.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I love your example again of, of you know, what actual clean and complete communication is. And, you know, I think the other thing is, again, it's become a buzzword, right? It's like, oh, I got ghosted. And I've I've worked with women who have literally told me, oh, well, remember so-and-so, well, he ghosted me. I'm like, oh, when, when like, when? Well, like, I sent him a thing Sunday and he hasn't got back to me. And it's Tuesday. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's like, no, you just have an expectation of immediate response mm-hmm. that... We don't even know if he got it yet, because like you said, we don't know when he's going to see that text. Right. Did he lose his phone? Is his phone working? Is he out of service area? We don't know. Right. But we have this immediate response expectation, and then we decide, oh, now I'm going to label them this terrible villain. And this is part of what you were saying about the approval part, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of throwing Mm -hmm. out the computer... It's like, oh, well, we need to actually work on our communication skills. We need to identify, how do you like to communicate? What's the expectation I have from you? Mm-hmm. I had another client who was dating a man who um, did offshore fishing. He was a, a charter boat captain. And she goes, well, he hasn't got back to me. I'm like, do they have the internet in the ocean? I don't even mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Like, And if they don't, he probably doesn't take his phone. She goes, why wouldn't he have his phone? I'm like, because it doesn't do anything for him. <laughs> Mm -hmm. All he can do is lose it in the ocean. I mean, it's like, it's probably in his car. Mm -hmm. And she went, I never thought of that. But we have this expectation of everything being that immediate gratification, right? So it's like, oh, now we've got a name we can put on it. It makes them bad.
1: Mm -hmm. Agreed, totally.
0: That doesn't serve us being in partnership. It's actually divisive, every bit of that. Now, is there real ghosting? Yeah, there is. And it's a big know, In my opinion, it's it's the, the weakest move anybody can make, because you're right. It's like, oh, it's easier for you if I just don't say anything. No, that's mm-hmm. terrible, because you're going to fill it in with the worst case scenarios. Mm-hmm. And you're going to wonder, what did I do? Did I say something? Did I do something? Am I this? Am I that? It's torture. But that's, unfortunately, like you said, we're getting lazy. And because of the plethora of options, we go, oh, I'll go to do something else, mm-hmm. which isn't It's not even that it's easier than a bad date. It's that it's easier than answering the question. Somebody sends us a message. We don't like it. We don't want to answer. We don't tell them the truth. I'll just go away. Mm -hmm. So we're not, we're we're learning how to avoid being honest. And that's a terrible path to be going on. Mm
1: -hmm. Agreed. Totally. And there's, there's just a cycle. So men, Men perceive they're going to get in trouble, yep. So they don't put the energy into it. Women then get angry at men, and don't tell them the truth, and then men just keep doing it. It's a endless cycle. You know, one of the sayings I like to say is, "Women are angry and men are dumb," and the reason of this is because um, women aren't telling men the truth about their impact and how they feel. Men continue doing what they do and don't get educated. And then women get angry and it's this cycle and they don't believe that men are worth their energy. And so we're in this chasm of disconnective relating and everyone's blaming the other person. I've set up a pattern with my wife who's it's the best relationship I ever had and beyond my expectations what was possible. And from the very beginning, we've set up the agreement of really intense overt relating and communication and honesty we even have a game of it it's called truth moment she'll go rob i'm like yeah she'll go truth moment and if i'm open to a truth i say yes if i'm in the middle of something i say no i'll say yes and she says you're really bad at doing the dishes (laughs) i'm like okay you know and then she says it's like she takes me to the dishes and she shows me how i'm not as optimal in dishes as she wants me to be and I'm like, okay, well, thank you. Thank you for educating me. It's, you're right, it is a blind spot for me. I'm not thinking when I do this, and I wanna be better at this. But we have this about our relating, we have this about our interactions, we have this about our communication, and they're not always easy to hear, but they always feel better knowing. And it always, I always feel happy that she has the permission, and I have the permission to tell the hard truths because then we're actually relating to each other rather than our withholdings and
0: lies i love that that is so great what a great game you guys came up with and there's two things that stood out to me uh one is the way you described you like she says truth moment and if i'm busy i say no that doesn't mean you're avoiding the truth right you're busy the other thing is by doing that by having that format right where you can express whatever that is then you don't build resentment hmm. Because you get to speak your truth, not mm-hmm. with an agenda, just because I need to tell you, you don't do the dishes well.
1: Mm hmm.
0: And yes, would I ideally like you to modify that behavior and do a better job next time? Yeah. But sometimes it's not going to be behavior oriented. It could just be a truth. hmm. And that's and because we, you need to get it out or else you're going to make up stories around it.
1: Right. And we both do our work by ourselves to get clear before we communicate it to each other. Yeah. Or we say, there's something going on with me around you. I don't know what it is. Can you help me figure this piece out? And I'll say, if I'm I'm open, I'm like, yeah. If I'm not available, I'll say, can we do it later? And But we do, you know, I'll, I see my therapist. I'll go talk to him about some things I'm thinking about. I'll get clarity. Then I'll go to Morgan and say, like, okay, I figured this thing out. And she's like, all right, tell me. And then we work it out. And sometimes it leads to days of what we call heated conversations or heated discussions that aren't pleasant, but in the end, it's, okay, I see you, and okay, I see you, and, and we're just human beings that are evolving and changing and morphing, and we sometimes expect our partners to be the same woman we met when we were 20, which is a fallacy. We want our partners to evolve and change, and so creating a space for the truth to be told and rewarded is the most important thing inside a relationship, and most people don't most people punish their partners for their truth which has them lie then they feel betrayed again it's this endless nasty cycle
0: yeah absolutely and you know you just reminded me of one of my favorite quotes which is when people say they want to be brutal they're just being brutally honest most people are being more brutal than honest right they're using that as an excuse to attack and they're usually
1: brutal because they've been holding that withhold or that anger yes. for days months years. So, of course, it comes out moldy and gooey and sticky <laughs> because I've been sitting on this. You know, when I when I educate people on a framework I have for telling the truth, a withhold or a desire, you know, I say the first thing you do is you you apologize for withholding it. I'm sorry. I withheld this to you for six months. I was afraid of your reaction. I wasn't sure about what I wanted. and. I just apologize. I know part of me has been missing in this withhold. So it's just about building collaboration for this great adventure of life that you have with your partner. And most of us keep each other really small. And it's just just counterintuitive. It's like, why? Because we're afraid and we're afraid of ending up alone. But I'd rather end up alone than in a relationship with someone who doesn't doesn't truly know who I am.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What a great, great comment to say there. So let me do this, Robert, because we need to wrap up here pretty quickly. And I want to ask you a couple of quick things that are, you know, kind of give some some bullet point nuggets that people can walk out the door with to go along with everything else you've been sharing. Okay. Okay. If you had to pick just one, what would be the book or resource you'd recommend for our listeners regarding partnership and why that one?
1: Um, Harville Hendricks, Getting the Love You Need. Mm -hmm. Classic. Uh, a lot about the partners we pick in terms of relating. Um, I think that's, when, when you asked me the question, that was the first one that popped in my head.
0: Great, great resource. Absolutely, Like you said, it's a classic, and there's a reason it's a classic. So one other thing I'd like to, to have you share with our audience, which is what would you say is, for you personally, the best, partnership or relationship advice you ever received?
1: Hmm. I think uh, you know, I I had a mentor when I was I was 28 when I started this journey of self-awareness. And about three years later, I met this guy. He was a teacher and he took me to really through the destruction of my ego. And he said to me, he says, you don't know the depth of your chauvinism and misogynistic nature you've been programmed with. And because you're blind to that program, it runs you and affects everything in terms of your relating. And I was like, what? No, I'm a nice guy. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a new age, nice guy. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, you know, look at your upbringing. Look at how you were programmed and just start to notice. And through his guidance, I started to look at all these unseen behaviors and unseen things that I wasn't aware of. And I, my chauvinistic and misogynistic programs are still inside of me. After 20 years of personal work, they don't go away. But my relationship and my awareness of them has really increased. So now they no longer run me. I run them. So my point is you can't see all of who you are without an outside approving look so I recommend finding teachers or mentors or reading books or finding men's groups or support so people can reflect to you what they see that you can't see of yourself.
0: That's such great advice because you're right. We, we can't see ourselves the way other people see ourselves. And what's really important is our impact on the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fantastic. Well, clearly, I think we could go on on this topic for a couple of weeks. Um, True. <laughs> we don't have that time. So Robert, would you do us a favor and share with our listeners how they can contact you and learn more about what you do?
1: I'm building a new website. It's robertcandell.com, K-A-N-D-E-L-L.com. Uh, you'll find my podcast, my writing, and information about my upcoming book uh, due in November. The book is called Unhidden, A Book for Men and Those Confused by Them. Uh, so all that can be found on my website, robertcandell.com, with links to my social media, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And for everyone listening, as always, we will have the links to Robert's uh, resources there on the show page. So all you need to go is speakingofpartnership.com, type in Robert's name, and bam, you'll be able to get to him very easily. Well, Robert, thank you so much for your insights. This has been so fabulous, so powerful, so so incredibly enlightening for, I know, myself and others. Thank you for being on the show today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web.